Petersfield's Shine Radio. Shine Radio's Growing Together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos is sponsored by DeMello and Company. Financial advice for you, your family and your future. Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together, the gardening podcast from Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Steve Amos. And we're here, Steve, once again, early on a February morning at the Adhurst Estate Allotments. Yes, we are. The rain is staying off, but we have moved locations slightly, haven't we, this morning? We're in a new spot. (laughs) (laughs) We've moved a total of about four metres. Instead of sitting outside my shed, we're now very much in the chairman's lodge, as I like to call it, (laughs) which provides some great shelter, as it's bound to rain in a minute. You have an old kitchen cupboard here. I do. Yeah, it's brilliant. Just a kitchen unit. I got it off FreeCycle. It's been here for, well, years now. It's just got drawers in it, got bits and bobs in it. And then inside the cupboards, there's uh, my plant drugs, as my girls call it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep them somewhere. Well, exactly, exactly. They're all in plastic boxes, so the mice don't get to anything. And um, yeah, it works well. It's a great bit of storage. It's funny because I've got a kitchen cupboard in my garage. Oh, have you? Which I do the same thing. I have pots and bits and bobs in it, but I didn't know you had one here. There you go. There we are. It's not been that mucky in here. No, we've just never ventured around here. <laughs> no, this is here. true. Not very Instagrammable, let's be honest. <laughs> do you know what? It's reality of gardening. It is. Practical. By looking at it, it might do with a refresh, if I'm honest. Spring clean, maybe, Steve. Maybe it's a spring clean. Okay. And you know what? Talking of spring, we're nearly there. Uh, we're so close. Honestly, it's great, isn't it? Snowdrops are everywhere. Daffodils you see them pop up all over the place. I don't know what your pots are like that you planted up, but mine are ready to burst it looks amazing can't wait i've been looking at them every day when i walk past that's the rain you might be able to hear it there we are here we go we've come to the right place exactly well joining us in this (laughs) rather stormy episode (laughs) we're mad it's a bit bonkers we're delighted to have kate forrester from the inspirational market garden of four acre farm and also head gardener ben pope is back with his latest working garden diary We are bonkers, by the way. It is absolutely throwing it down with rain. And you say we're the only people up here. Is it any surprise, quite frankly? February, you know, you've got to go through, I think, February to get to the months that are gorgeous. This year has been a bit of a weird month, hasn't it? It's not been that cold. We've had a couple of cold days, but no real significant frost to speak of. It's been wet, let's be honest. It's been wet. Really soggy. But it's lighter in the evenings. It is. And I've noticed it's a little bit lighter in the mornings as well. I love it. It makes a massive difference. Mm, For it me, does. it does. I think mm. a lot of people it affects. Oh, it, it really does. And I, sad's very real, isn't it? Mm. You know, and a lot of people do suffer from it. And I think January, February is cold, it's grey, it's wet, it's miserable. But, as you said, it's the end of the end and the beginning of the beginning. Spring is on its way. Well, last time we recorded here, Steve, you very kindly took me over to your neighbour's plot where we rifled around and found... Not one, but two wormeries. Yeah. Absolutely. Coxie, bless him, is a bit of a step to and son's yard <laughs> round the back of his plot. Yeah, and he had two wormeries and he very kindly offered to sell you one of them. So, uh, how's it going? It's great. Is it? So, I ordered a, a wormery starter set. You don't go to the garden and collect worms? No, then. no. Oh, right. Special worms for your wormery. Okay. But it came with some coir as well, which you soak and put on the bottom of the area where the worms are going to be, along with some newspaper and some worm food. Because I didn't realise, initially, you can't feed the worms your kitchen scraps, vegetables and things, until they've settled in for a couple of weeks. 
So you, you have, have you to... got me at it? No, it's what they recommend. I'm following the guidelines because this is all new to me. And um, and they're there. I caught a couple of worms escaping from the wormery. Did you uh, tell them off? I did. I picked them up and popped them back have in. Have they got collars? No. Are they microchips? <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, they can make fantastic compost and worm juice. Worm juice. It sounds disgusting, doesn't it? Does it does sound revolting. But it's very good. Potent fertiliser, isn't it? Highly concentrated plant food. I'm looking forward well, good to good luck. It. Thank you. Good luck with your new venture. Great excitement. And also, down here at the community garden, there's excitement because the eco-structure that they've been fundraising for in the last year is being put up. It looks fantastic. I haven't have you, seen have it. Have you not seen it yet? No. I walked the dog that way this morning. It looks absolutely amazing. It's got the sedum roof. Beautiful structure. Oh, I'm so pleased. Yeah. They've been desperate for it to have mm. an all-weather shelter. It, beyond my expectations, I have to say. It's really beautiful. We'll have to go and look on the way past. We should have recorded down there. Oh, well, that would have been an idea, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, go and have a look. But congratulations to Sue Edberg and the team there at the Community Garden. It's such a great communal space and only can get better, I think, this year as a result of the eco-structure. 100%. Well, talking of fantastic communal spaces, I went to visit Kate Forrester at the market garden that she's running at Four Acre Farm in Ringwood in Hampshire. It's one amazing place that's growing and thriving and making a real change to the local community there. Hello, Kate. Hello. Lovely to have you here. Well, thank you for inviting me here to Four Acre Farm. Now, it's not your normal farm, is it? There's something quite unique happening here. Can you explain what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So we've taken on a piece of conventionally farmed land, four acres, off a strip of the rest of the field, which is 22 acres, I believe. And yeah, we've decided to try and give our local town, Ringwood, a bit of a example of what can be done on a small scale but with packing quite a punch the idea is that we take the four acres initially it was to have one acre of uh, market garden one acre of mixed fruit orchard and one acre of uh, wildflower meadow but we were given this extra acre so we we took that and and made two acres of wildflower meadow for the moment so the idea is that we can illustrate that you can grow food, be productive, but also make a lot of space and new habitat for nature because it was a very blank canvas. And now we have lots of different things going on. <laughs> well, we've had a lovely walk around. You've shown me all the different areas here. It's February and you're preparing for the coming growing year ahead. How long have you been working on the land here? Uh, so we've been here two years now and it was very much starting from scratch. Like I said, it was just, it was just a ploughed field. We were leasing it for 15 years and we took it on and it just had cut maize. We took it on in December, two years ago, and we had to do everything from scratch. We didn't have fencing, we didn't have hedgerows. It's a very flat, windy site. So we decided to do everything by hand, show that we could do it that way. With the help of lots of lovely volunteers, we've done no-dig style beds for the market garden and we took local compost, local old horse manure and local wood chip to create the 30 metre beds. We've got four blocks that are 30 metre beds. I think there's 10 rows in each one just for the growing side of things to have a veg box scheme and to sell to local shops and to local restaurants. But the the focus really is on the community engagement side of things, um, trying to get people 
onto the land that's local to them rather than sort of passing through. The, the hope was that we can engage and start a community on this piece of land where people learn new skills, start to kind of fall in love with their local environment in different ways. You know, the fact that we do have these different habitats on site, that we've got ponds, we've got wildflower meadow, we have the new mixed fruit orchard. There's lots of different areas that people can get involved with, not just the market garden growing food side of things. It's a big project, isn't it? How has it been received locally then? Um, it's been absolutely wonderful to meet so many like-minded or people that are new to this but really interested. It seems like it's very much of the moment. People are wanting this, they're seeking it out, they want to get outside, they want to connect with land again, they want to connect with where their food comes from. So we have been absolutely blessed. We've made so many new friends. They're meeting each other, becoming friends also we have all sorts of age groups that come here from little ones right through to people who are retired and they come for different amounts of time whenever it works for them we felt so supported like the again the local businesses have all been incredible with helping us on volunteer days or buying our produce or even the local bakery giving us free baked goods and coffee for our volunteers when it's cold and windy and all those sorts of lovely things just have made it feel like it was the right decision because we kind of just took a punt we didn't know what was going to happen we just went for it It was an idea and we just didn't sort of do any market research and see if it was the correct area or we would get a response from it we just thought we feel like this is something that is lacking across the UK and a lot of the world and actually it's worked out beautifully and it's it's really heartwarming and inspiring for us to see the reception and to meet all these beautiful different kinds of people who bring lots of different skills as well you know they've been massive assets and there's loads of different things that are developing from that lots of different projects whether that be writing projects kids um, nature day engagement a lovely lady who's now doing herb walks on the farm a lady that's going to be doing willow weaving because we're planting more willow it's unfolding in lots of magical ways that I didn't think it would which (laughs) I hoped it would but I didn't you know you can't foresee how it will happen Um, and it's just been really heartwarming and I'm blown away actually by, by how it's been received Oh, that's good to hear. So you've set this up with Molly as well. There's the two of you working here. What are your backgrounds? Why did you come together to start this farm? So Molly has a background in conservation and she works at the nature reserve locally. Now she's starting to be here more hours. Initially, she was just here on the weekends. So she has lots of experience working with school age groups and working on nature engagement. That's really it. It's trying to see how we can get children to care about these places be interested in it and learn new skills but also just enjoy it to actually really want to be here and then my background I was a chef for 10 years so obviously that was my interest in food and then I started working with Charles Dowding at his no dig garden in Somerset learning how to grow vegetables so my side is more on the veg growing side Hence the no dig here as well. And how has that been? How did you start initially on this bare bit of land? So actually it's been life-saving. Some parts of the land didn't need any cardboard underneath because there was literally nothing growing there. We had soil samples done and the biology was pathetic to say the least like no fungi only a few different types of bacteria and very low carbon so we've had to really think about putting back 
a lot of goodness and build soil that's you know major aim and obviously with no dig the whole thing is about building soil and about protecting the soil life and encouraging that naturally so we built the beds with local old horse manure which was fantastic it's been brilliant the plants have grown really well in it and then wood chip paths again just with wheelbarrows and spades and people power nearly killed me a few times <laughs> but yeah so we just built like that and and like I said the life-saving part of it was that we did it in that first year where it was so dry and so hot from March onwards it was basically a drought here and if we hadn't had that amount of material covering the soil underneath I don't think things would have grown as well as they did we were so blessed with how it went considering that I couldn't physically get round and do a lot of the watering and we didn't have water in the middle of the site we've had to put in all the plumbing and everything there's been a lot of setup on that front but the no dig aspect really saved our bacon (laughs) so were you actually providing veg boxes at the end of that very first year yeah really went for it it was full on so it was build the beds the majority of the beds were built by sort of may and i was building beds planting in the plug plants from growing from seed we had the polytunnel up by february so yeah i just was trying to do everything simultaneously then when things were in the ground i'd carry on making beds so yeah that first year was pretty insane um and yeah we did we managed to do a veg box for 20 families that year and yeah it was brilliant from there the response to people wanting to actually buy the vegetables was brilliant also and has that increased in last year as well? Yeah, it's been great. Like last year, we, we kept all the people that wanted. It was a few people that dropped off, but we added on some new people. And then we just started growing more for local restaurants who would take big quantities of stuff as well. And they're doing really fantastic things. They really want to focus on local and seasonal and support the no dig element as well. They really understand it. So that's been brilliant working with those different restaurants. That's great. Now, have you had any funding to help with the farm here? Yes, we've been very fortunate we did start a crowdfunder and again the leap of faith people didn't know who we were and they just were so supportive we managed to crowdfund for the shipping container and the polytunnel plus some of the fruit orchard we were then also introduced to a charity called the tree council and the tree council have been so supportive and incredibly helpful we had our fencing funded which is really important for keeping out the local deer and rabbits mostly but we have yeah the new fencing all the way around the site we had over 4,000 mixed native tree varieties for our hedgerow and 120 or so mixed fruit orchard trees donated to us via them and since then we've also had a new hazel coppice put in halfway down the wildflower meadow so that we can create another type of habitat in there and eventually we can start a seven-year rotation of coppicing that area oh and one person i can't forget is we've also had funding from the lottery to build our kitchen hub which is our field kitchen which will be used and it's already started to be used to host lots of different workshops and for the school visiting groups the kitchen is a fantastic addition to this spot what a wonderful opportunity to have that here as well it's always been a dream of mine to have this field kitchen hub because i really see that as the the sort of missing link not just the 
education of where food comes from but the education of how to use it once you do grow your own vegetables and you've got a lovely big glut what do you do with it so that is what a lot of my workshops this year will be focused on getting all ages to come down and different sorts of workshops to harvest and cook and and really sort of celebrate those beautiful vegetables and herbs and flowers that we can cook with and we've got so many varieties of different things growing here so it's fantastic to be able to plan all of those exciting events. So that's a great thing about February, although it's a bit cold and horrible to be in the garden this time of year. And you are working here in this garden today. It's to plan the events. What exciting things have you got coming up this year? So we're going to have a whole calendar of events, really, from herb walks to the harvest and cook days to Molly doing lots of nature craft events and also some bigger things where we encourage lots of people from the community to come and have a different focus on a different vegetable day. So last summer we did the tomato party. So we had about 70 people, all different ages, come down and get to try three different recipes of our heirloom tomatoes just to really get people excited about variety and also get together. We had a band playing and was sort of games and things for the kids so it's just another aspect to this land is getting people together to enjoy the space not to necessarily work on it but to be in it we have plans for lots more women's circles and to celebrate the celtic calendar because we really want to get people tuning into what's happening throughout the seasons you know to really celebrate the light returning or to say goodbye to the summer and, and enjoy the harvest and be grateful lots of different things like that to really sort of celebrate whilst being outside it's the most amazing place here thank you very much for showing me around and telling us more about it and best of luck for the coming year thank you ever so much So, Steve, I know we're the only ones here at the moment. Yes, because we're mad. <laughs> Has it been busy? A new allotment owner's yeah, been we, ready? we've had quite a few new plot holders. I, I met one of them and we were talking and, um, yeah, really keen. It's great to see new blood coming in and the enthusiasm that they've got. And it's really interesting because we've spoken about mental health a lot and I write about it quite a lot in the Petersfield Post. But green spaces, gardening, being outside in the countryside is proven to be great for mental health. And she said to me, her and her sister are doing it, and she said, oh, you know, we're calling it... Happy place, which I think is lovely already, you know, and they've only been here a few weeks. I can see the sign above their shed door already. Happy place, Happy absolutely. Place. And we've had our first working party of the year. There's a few people that were struggling to get on top of their plots, so the working party got involved in, in helping them to get to a point that they can continue. We don't like losing people, but the circumstances change with people and people do leave. But want to give people the best chance they can, and the working party helped those people out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, how lovely. Mm. Because you want to start the growing year in a good place, don't you? Exactly. So that you can get growing as soon as the conditions allow. Exactly. And even a four rod plot which is you know probably a third of the size of mine is still quite daunting we used to motivate people's plots before they joined but that oh my goodness that was hard work tell them to adopt a no dig approach and you won't have to rotate or dig again down here i love again the community vibe down here it's is great fantastic. isn't it yeah yeah and the feedback from newbies and people that have been here a while is that it is a lovely feeling people are very friendly everyone is inclusive sometimes even if you don't want it advice is there <laughs> brilliant so what have you been doing obviously not too much down here no well with it been so wet i'm desperate to start digging in that manure the bags are still there ready to go but you're very busy in the greenhouse you know, a few weeks ago first lot of tomatoes chilies and aubergines they're all starting to show themselves oh. so they'll be coming out of the the covered propagator just onto a, a heat bench to start sort of hardening off a little bit and then they'll go into hopefully the heated greenhouse but the greenhouse 
needs a shuffle because all the shallots need to come out. Sweet peas are all up. It's bonkers. I love the excitement that you feel. Uh, and I think we all do yeah. when the seed germinates and that beautiful green shoot is there. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's magic. What are you doing with your shallots then? You're saying they're coming out of the greenhouse. Are you putting them in the ground yet? Yeah, so what I'll do, I'll bring them up here, put them on one of the benches up here for a week or so, just to harden off a little bit. And then probably end, end of Feb, beginning of March, they'll go in the ground. Do you do the same with your onions as well? I will do, but not just yet. Probably mid to late March, they'll go in. Now, you mentioned in a previous Growing Together that you were looking forward to a particular variety of potatoes. Ah, yes. Have they arrived? They've not arrived yet, Ooh. but I haven't been told they're not coming. What variety are they? Anya. That's it? Yes. Oh, man, they're so good. They're waxy, they're nutty, they're just yummy. Well, I've ordered some pink fir apples. Have you? Okay. Because I haven't grown those before. Oh, they're very good. Super tasty. I have a love-hate relationship with growing potatoes. And I know they're fantastic for the ground. And if you have a new plot, consider planting potatoes because they will do wonders for the soil. Yeah, the roots go down nice and deep and they break up the soil. If you've got clay-type soil, they go down, break it all up for you. And if you haven't bought your potatoes yet and you'd like to grow some, go along to the garden centre, have a look online. There are still deals to be had. If you're not sure, you can buy a collection. I remember years ago, we used to run the potato fair here in Petersfield and you could literally buy a potato and they had like 40 varieties. So if you wanted, you could have 40 seed potatoes, one of each variety. The labelling would have to be pretty spot on though, wouldn't it? But people did, people would come along and buy half a dozen potatoes, different varieties. Well, sometimes you don't have the space for a kilogram of potato. No. Talk to friends, talk to, you know, allotment neighbours. I've bought three different kilos of potatoes and I'll share them with my friend up at Steep Marsh. Great way to do it. Well, I've done a naughty thing. Oh, I couldn't resist. What have you done? I bought a couple of dinner plate dahlia tubers and I wondered if you've ever grown any before, Steve. What variety have you bought? I've bought a dahlia called Emery Paul. Dinner plate dahlia are the really big, big flowers. Yeah, they're um, large deck. Is that what they're called yeah. in the show world? Yes, large decorative. Well, I was really excited about these because they look gorgeous on the photographs. Yep. I'm hoping they'll look gorgeous in my garden later this year. So I couldn't resist. The flowers get to about 25 centimetres. They're huge, fuchsia pink in colour. Oh, wow. I'm really looking forward to that. The one I've grown before, bright yellow. Yeah, and again, big, big dinner plate size. I just think they look so much fun. Yeah. I imagine they'll put a big smile on my face every well, time I walk well, in. Well, if you're growing the dinner plate ones, there's a class at the Steep Flower Show, which is August bank holiday weekend, for the largest diameter head, Dahlia. Okay. So there you go. If they do become as big as I hope, maybe. Well, the trick is to thin them down to one or two stems per plant. And then you get, obviously, a much better bloom on those plants. So rather than have 20 flowers per plant, have three or four. That's why these big growers grow like a thousand plants, because they cut their stems down to six, eight blooms per plant. I quite like the idea of having them as cut flowers in a big vase looking crazy. We shall see. Let's find out now what head gardener Ben Pope has been doing in the private garden that he looks after in West Sussex. Ben has been keeping us busy in the garden over the autumn and winter months. And here's the last instalment of his working garden diary with ideas for what to do in the garden this time of year. Hello, Ben. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. Really good, actually. Yeah. Oh, good. Because February can be quite a hard month in the garden. 
Yeah, yeah, I see it as the sting in the tail. And although the days are getting longer, it often feels like it's just dragging on. But this year, I don't know, we've been gifted with warmer weather. So February's feeling good and, and the plants are reflecting that. You know, they were held back a little bit with the cold in January and things like the winter box, which would have normally been smelling amazing then, has actually started to smell really good now. So we're walking around the garden, working and getting these beautiful scents, which mm. is, is, is nice. That's a treat as well. It wafts on the wind. It really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, if you if you find somewhere where you can place it under a tree because it takes shade or in the corner, maybe against a shady wall, it will actually just sit there as well and it can stay for quite a while. So even on still days, you kind of come into this beautiful, fragrant cloud. Very nice. Yes. I love that. Little treats you don't expect. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then speaking of little treats, the snowdrops are obviously really pushing up now and then creating nice displays along with the little winter aconites. Crocus are coming, you know, the tips of the narcissus are up, the allium foliage, it's all coming. So yeah, it's, it's, February's good. Spring is definitely on the horizon. That's such good news. It's so lovely to have that to look forward to and to see the, the signs coming up. And actually the garden here is reflecting that too. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a stunning place. What have you been up to since we last so, spoke to you? Pretty much lots of the similar things. So still pruning, finishing pruning our apple trees, our soft fruit we're going to look at now. So black currants, the fanned gooseberries, re-putting in structures, canes, checking knots, all that sort of thing to make sure we're ready for the season ahead. Also thinking about the vegetable beds, they've been covered with manure over the winter. And so we're thinking about planting now. So we'll be chitting potatoes, perhaps starting broad beans off in modules. We've got a greenhouse and then we can start things off a little early. So we'll be doing some of the broad beans, maybe some of the peas for pea shoots, again, freshening those up. And then, of course, thinking about sowing some of those vegetables for the summer long. So we're thinking chilies, aubergines, tomatoes, the early tomatoes, the greenhouse ones, just a few of those now. And then obviously, as, as we get towards the end of February and into March, that's when the, the sowing really, really starts to gain vigour. It's sort of the calm before the storm, isn't it? It is, it is. We've still got a bit of time, although I'm very familiar with this calm and I know what's coming. So there's a bit of me thinking, right, we need to get this done. We need to get that done. But as long as you're getting something done and enjoying it, that's the most important thing. But outside, we're, um, we're preparing the herb beds as well, getting them ready for the year ahead. So tickling over, taking out any of the, the sort of old dead annual stems that have been around, cutting some of the origanum seed heads back and things like that. And then getting ready for, for growing on more fresh herbs again for the kitchen. Do you grow a lot of herbs then? We do, yeah, yeah, we do. My employers really enjoy cooking. So we grow herbs for use for fresh, but we also dry them. This winter, I am, I've been enjoying a black mint and lemon verbena tea, mm. which is so simple. You know, they were growing and got quite big, both in containers, and then cut them all back at the end of summer, dried them. And I've, yeah, I've been enjoying a tea all winter, which is really nice. But we also grow spearmint, peppermint, oreganos, thyme, rosemaries, sages, lovage, bergamot. Yeah, you know, there's lots and lots. And then we've got winter savoury and summer savoury. They're, they're really useful. And then, of course, the annual herbs, we'll be growing lots of those and popping them in as the weather warms up. So we can grow some in the greenhouse. Things like basil will be grown in pots. We'll start off the parsley, a really, really good coriander to grow. There's one called Calypso, because that can bolt and can be a bit fussy. But with Calypso, we can maybe do two, three sowings a year and we have it all year round. It's fantastic. Do so, you grow that outside as well? Um, we do through the summer and then again in a cool greenhouse for the winter lot. So we'll sow perhaps again August time, a bit like winter salads, starting them off around August time. So any herbs that we want to get through the winter, fresh herbs, we'll do that. But we, we do a big harvest and a cut of the herbs come August, September anyway, and um, dry them and then you can use them dried too. 
Brilliant. Herbs year-round. Yeah, yeah, well, it makes so much difference with the cooking, you know. It really does. It's good to have. And you don't have to have that much space, do you, for a herb garden? No, not at all. And you can even do them in a container. It's just knowing which ones are going to run, obviously, like your mint. So if they're going to be a bit bullish or thuggish, sage will get quite big, rosemary will get quite big. But all the other things, you can actually kind of just pop in together. The annual herbs that I've mentioned, the parsley, the flat parsley, the, the chervil, the coriander. Yeah, that's all very happy altogether. And you mentioned chitting potatoes. Yes. What varieties of potatoes are you growing this year? Well, actually, I'm a bit late and haven't got our potatoes yet. (laughs) But we'll tend to pick things that they're either really good doers that you're going to use, because that's the whole point of growing, isn't it? Or it's something that you can't always get. A big favourite is pink fir apple because that will start as a second early. You can almost use it like a new potato or keep it to a main crop. So again, it's got almost like a dual season. And so that's really, really useful. Charlotte is always one of the best first earlies as a great new potato. And I think jackets can store quite well. And so maybe you can get them from the shop. But new potatoes, I always think fresh salad potatoes. Mm. So really early ones like Swift or Rocket are, are fantastic, super early, small potatoes that you can just you know lightly boil and pop in a salad in spring. Yeah, that's where the taste really, really comes in, I think. Yum. It's sounding good already. <laughs> How long do you take to, uh, to chit the potatoes once you have them? So it usually takes about two to three weeks. What you want to do is you don't want to put them somewhere really, really warm where the chits start to get to four or five centimetres long because then when you plant them, they can snap easily. You literally just want to get those buds swelling and breaking so they look like little white potatoes almost growing on the side, I suppose. And, and that's the perfect thing. So, so we keep ours in our greenhouse again, the cooler greenhouse, where it's not too hot under the bench they don't necessarily need light but equally they can have light and yeah as I say a couple of weeks and then they start ready to go so again I'm probably going to get the potatoes towards the end of February okay so still time yeah still still time time, still time I have to stop and say how absolutely (laughs) lovely it is sitting here in the sun I know we've resumed our spot haven't we that we had last autumn with nice warm weather glorious I don't think there's been one recording we've had to retreat completely inside we've sat here at this bench the entire time. I think we've been very lucky because there could have been rain and yeah. we haven't had that and there's been a lot of rain. So we have been very lucky. Now you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about a gooseberry fan. Yes. That you have. I didn't know that gooseberries could come in a fan shape. Yeah, it's the way you prune them and train them and things like black currants. You can't, they have to be grown as a bush because of the way they grow and the fruit they grow on. But red currants and white currants to some extent but definitely gooseberries you can train as fans or cordons or even I've seen them as espaliers actually and it's all about tying in a leader doing a bit of a summer prune so a bit like you would with your step over apples or pears anything that's trained and then tying in and and refining that growth through the winter using support so we tend to put canes and create that initial fan shape and then as we training the plant we will tie in the new growth up the cane shortening it by a third in the winter the new growth and any laterals so that's shoots that come off the side we shorten them back to about two and a half centimeters and again we'll be doing that pruning in the summer as well the lovely thing with gooseberries growing it as a fan it allows the sun to get to the gooseberries which ripens it up and also you don't get pricked so much when you're picking them (laughs) exactly i was thinking that too and for netting you know obviously if you're growing as a fan you're doing it against a fence probably or along some wires with posts or a wall and and so actually to throw a net over it to stop the birds getting on is quite easy as well Ooh, that's definitely food for thought (laughs) that's something i think i might try and do myself because you don't see gooseberries 
no. in the shops anymore, really. No, because when they're at their best, they don't travel so well, you see. And it's always this thing. And whatever you decide to grow, whether it's cut flowers or your vegetables, pick things that you don't get off the shelves because that's where the joy and the magic really happens, I think. Yeah, something special. I agree with you completely. So at the moment, are you enjoying lovely cabbages that are in the ground? And, and are you still enjoying your sprouts? Yeah, so the sprouts are still really good, actually. And in fact... They've been a bit slow going into the house, so I might start using some of those. Flower sprouts, the little kaolettes, mm-hmm. they're wonderful. We've got Jerusalem artichokes. Some of the team named fartichokes. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, absolutely, I absolutely love them. Um, you know, roasted. Those roasted with squash and whatever else and potato in a tray, just diced and roasted. Absolutely glorious with a bit of thyme in. They're still coming out of the ground. An unusual one called ochre. It's actually oxalis. It's in the oxalis family they do well so we're picking and digging those up and in fact some of the beetroots and things like that are still the odd ones of those are coming we've got through all the leeks <laughs> so we're, we're, we're hungry for more to get them growing soon sowing seeds so yeah do you sow parsnips because they need a long sowing season don't they they do and in fact parsnips are one of those things we will start off and direct sow probably end of february beginning of march just as you start seeing those hardy annual weeds growing you think okay the soil temperature's right and you're exactly right they need a long growing season we used to grow them a lot but um they take up a space you know they take up a whole row or half a row for that entire season so yeah if you love parsnips uh, definitely grow them but if you don't when space is a premium give it over to something else it's always that rule about grow what you like to eat and what you're going to use absolutely well now it's the time of year for valentine's day it is yes (laughs) (laughs) do you do anything special here for valentine's well we might be picking the rose thorns out of our fingers perhaps you know the rose pruning's just being finished through february but a a friend of mine a good friend of mine she used to say on valentine's day is the day you put the slug pellets out (laughs) okay (laughs) and um and so i was like oh gosh okay very romantic but um obviously we don't use slug pellets now but it's a really good point because the herbaceous will just be coming up through the soil through the ground so any slugs that are awake on mild days that's when they're going to start the, the onslaught and start feeding so um actually it's a really good time to be using your beer traps and things like that to control your slugs or going out at night and collecting them if that's what you do because that will really help all your perennials get off to a really good start so what do you do here then well i do a bit of both it's beer traps and occasionally i get obsessed and get the torchlight out it's that thing where you you spend ages growing something from seed i remember one year we did all this lovely bulb fennel from seed and we had it in modules put it out and then the next night you know half of them were gone and you just think oh no so somewhere you have to draw the line i guess you have to give a bit to nature don't you but, yeah you do you do heartbreaking when it doesn't work and do you also do anything with containers this time of year all of our permanent plantings of containers and by that i mean things that are in there for at least a year or longer so it could be either something like your blueberries if you're growing them in containers or it could be hostas we use some herbaceous plants especially in shady areas a nice container with some shade loving perennials is really good and so we'll be either lifting and dividing those completely so taking the plant out and replacing some of the soil for fresh usually a john Innes soil-based compost is best for permanent plantings obviously something more ericaceous for your blueberries and then it could be if you don't want to do that and you've done that maybe a few years ago or it's only been in there a year or so just top dressing so scooping the, the top layer of the soil off around the plant and freshening that up with the new could give it a bit of a granular fertilizer or some pellets some like chicken pellets that helps just to get everything ready because it's all going to start moving soon as i'm sure you know yeah the clock's ticking <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it is 
Well, it's busy. It's busy here. It I is. know it's always busy here. And it's been wonderful following your growing journey, Ben. Throughout the autumn and winter, you've kept us going. And it's been really fantastic for me personally to come here and, and chat to you as well. Oh, thank you, Claire. It's been a real pleasure. You know, I love what I do and it's always great to share it with people. Thank you. And if you'd like to find Ben, he also does a lot of talks throughout the years. I imagine you've got quite a few coming up. Yes, I teach at the English Gardening School at the Chelsea Physic Garden and I've got some courses at West Dean coming up. One's on herbaceous borders and pruning. And then I do lots of talks for a charity perennial to raise some funds for them and also go to gardening clubs. I'm going to Bath University to do a talk there and Zoom talks, all sorts of stuff. Keeps me busy. And it's been wonderful to talk to you too, Ben. So thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. uh, Happy gardening in February. Steve, it's not long now until the Petersfield Seed Swap. Really excited about it. So even if you don't want to come and look at seeds, come and have a slice of cake and a cup of tea. Again, we've talked about the whole relationship of cake and gardening. It's an important partnership. Absolutely. But you've got to fuel yourself, haven't you? And you know, if you dig in hard and a bit of cake goes a long way, doesn't it? It really does. So come along to the Seed Swap. Saturday, March the 9th at Winton House on the High Street in Petersfield. It's from 10 until 2. I'd also like to say a massive thank you to Natasha from the Farnham Community Farm, who's donated some seeds from the farm there and also Petersfield's Men's Shed who I visited this week they've been making boxes for the seed packets and they're looking great brilliant that's so awesome it is a really really good community feel about it also before that we've got Hedgefest here at the community garden their launch of their new shelter and it's a follow-on from the tree festival about planting trees and and hedges in your gardens and also they're doing a, a wildflower meadow as well aren't they they are yeah great time of year to think about it if you didn't sow anything in the autumn you can still sow wildflower seeds for this coming year so if you're in the area and you'd like to find out how to sow a wildflower meadow come along to Hedgefest it's on Saturday February the 24th at the community garden from half ten till half one so that's about it for this week there is one more bit of news though isn't there there is a bit of news Steve yes so fantastic news for Claire I'm absolutely delighted that she's got herself a new job tell us about it Claire I do have a new job and it does have an impact on the growing together podcast which I have been a part of since we began it in August 2020 with Amory Powell and for the last two years with you Steve it's been good fun though it has been really good fun so what are you gonna be doing but I'm gonna have to leave growing together because I have a wonderful new job with BBC Gardeners World magazine which I'm so excited about it's super cool so what are you going to be doing for the Gardener's World magazine? So I'm going to be doing some content creation and involved in the podcast too. So um, keep an eye out. Do keep listening to Growing Together. I'm taking over the helm and we've got some great ideas. We've got some guests lined up already. My first solo event is going to be Hedgefest. So please support me, support that. And I, I want to wish Claire the very, very best of luck. I think it's a fantastic opportunity and I've loved doing this with you. And hopefully you'll come back as a guest of Growing Together. Well, thank you very much, Steve. That's very kind of you. And- And I wish you all the best moving forward with Growing Together. It's in great hands, possibly muddy hands occasionally, but let's hope so. Let's hope so. And thanks so much for listening over the years. Also, thank you to our guests in this episode, Kate Forrester and Ben Pope. If you have any gardening questions, you can email team at shineradio.uk. And Steve will be back in March with the next Growing Together. So until then, happy gardening. 
Growing Together is new twice a month and supported by DeMello and Company. Financial advice for you, your family and your future. Get the latest editions of Growing Together at any time at shineradio.uk. The next station is Shine Radio. Hi, it's Richard Latto here bringing you the legendary Stereo Underground every week here at Petersfield Shine Radio. It's an indie and alternative heaven right here every Thursday night. Stereo Underground with Richard Latto is now arriving at Shine Radio. Thursday nights from 10. Mind the gap, please. 